This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today, we're all looking for ways to save. That's why I want to tell you about HealthLock. What is HealthLock? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and monitors your medical claims as they come in, then flags any hidden errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To save, visit healthlock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, and this is Fast Politics, where we discuss the top political headlines with some of today's best minds and former President Jimmy Carter has entered hospice care. We have a great show today. Legendary consumer advocate and activist Aaron Brockovich talks about the Ohio train derailment and how it should be handled. Then we'll talk to Adam Frisch, who lost to Lauren Boebert by 546 votes. And has just announced he'll be running against her in 2024. But first, we have legendary campaign manager, the Lincoln Project, Stuart Stevens. Welcome to Fast Politics, Stuart Stevens. Thanks for asking me to the party, Mom. Yeah, I, we are very discerning here. And I have to say, I love your writing. I really think you're such a talented writer, which... You know, I I don't think that about everybody. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I want to talk to you about Nikki Haley and the future of the Republican Party. So this is going to be depressing. <laughs> I mean, I'm depressing well now. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm like, it's a specialty <laughs> of mine. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm, I'm all sold out of the hope store. Right. They're not going to ever nominate someone who's not an authoritarian because the party has taken an authoritarian tact. A simple test of that is... Will the Republican Party nominate someone who will assert positively that the president of the United States was elected in a legal and fair election? That seems like a pretty low bar. And I can't imagine that's not the official position of the Republican Party, which I think is just sort of a sign of how normalization has changed. But the Republican Party's official position now is that America is not a democracy. 
Because if we don't have a legal and fair elected president, then we have an occupier, which means we're not a democracy. Yeah, I think that that's where we are, right? Yeah, that's where we are. I mean, the, the people have not focused on this. There's sort of a need, I think, which historically seems to always happen when democracy side into autocracy, for the folks on the democracy side, which is a majority, to want to pretend that everything's okay and normal. But the 24 election, I can't imagine that they're going to nominate somebody who will say that Donald Trump lost. Uh, and so you're going to have, for the first time, not an election between two parties with different political views. You're going to have one party that believes that they are in a democracy and one party that believes this campaign is about removing an illegal occupant of the White House. Right. I wrote this piece earlier last week about how DeSantis is an autocrat just like Trump and how he's basically the same, but much better at it. More so. I right. Think, Trump. Right. Because we've seen him do it in Florida and they're so mad and they were like, everyone we don't you don't like is Hitler. But the truth is, that's not what it is. It really is. The reason why he's so popular in the Republican Party is because he is tar- he is doing all of these things from the autocrat playbook. I think it's fascinating to watch what Ron DeSantis is doing and Donald Trump's doing. Did Donald Trump is out there saying, don't cut Medicare and Social Security. Ron DeSantis is saying all this crazy stuff aimed at a Republican primary audience. Right. Who thinks they're going to win a primary? (laughs) Donald Trump. He's already running in the general. Right, right, right. Listen, I am a great advocate, and I I may take to, to walking up and down in a sandwich board of this, that the Democratic Party should aggressively engage and seek out cultural wars. Because they're winning them. Right. Think about your average suburban family or a family, whatever, or that mythical family, right? How many people move so they can send their kids to better schools? Right. Millions. How many scrimp and save so that they can pay for their kids to go to a private school so that they can study AP? Right, right, right. And, and he's banning AP? I think that is absolutely insane. So. Look, how did the, how did how all these cultural wars have late gone for the Republicans? So how did the the Donald Trump versus Nike Colin Kaepernick work out? Right. Well, Nike made nine billion, nine billion off of Colin Kaepernick. Right, right, right. And Donald Trump's a retiree who lives in Florida. You know, how did the cultural war you know, when they were mad at NASCAR because they banned the Confederate flag? Well, I think NASCAR won that one. <laughs> they were in a cultural war with Walmart for a while because Walmart had mask mandates. Right. Walmart seems right. to be doing okay to me. I don't know. <laughs> they lost the, the, the cultural war on same-sex marriage. Right. Lost the cultural war on abortion. I mean, they lost the cultural war, but you can't get an abortion in huge swaths of this country. Yeah, I think they won at the action level, if it were. But right. there are more people today who consider themselves pro-choice for higher percentage than ever before in America. Right, right, right. That is certainly true. I knew once people saw how bad this was going to be, that there would be blowback. And, you know, I mean, look, the I mean, the thing about abortion, which I think is incredible, is that you have all these women who were not pro-choice and they now have had miscarriages and they can't get treated. Yeah. Look, if I just woke up in the middle of the night and said, look, what about a politician that gets in a fight with the happiness company? How's that working out? He's fighting Peter Pan? I mean, really? You're going to get in a fight with Disney? Right. So like, who won that fight? I, I kind of remember like the guy who won the Super Bowl went to Disney the next day. They didn't go to Tallahassee to see Ron. <laughs> it is a complete losing argument. And they're doing it. It's all aimed at white people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about race. 
That's because, you know, Trump's coalition was 85% white. The country's 60% white, 58, 60, depending on how you count it. You know, since we've been talking, it's less white. We're headed to become a majority-minority country. Republicans can't do anything about it except try to change who votes. And that's what they're about. It does feel like this is the last bastion of a kind of rage, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think DeSantis is very... This is a guy who went to Harvard, Yale, and taught... What, we're at Darlington. Right. I mean, give me a break. It's just, he doesn't believe any of this stuff. Right, right, right. Same as Nikki Haley. She believes Donald Trump is the person she said he was in 2016 when she stood out there with Marco Rubio. I think they just, they all collapsed. I don't think DeSantis is a particularly good politician. I mean, look, I, I did all of Charlie Chris. Charlie Chris is the guy he ran against last time. I did all of Charlie's races when he was a Republican running statewide, which he won. So I did all of Charlie Chris winning statewide races. So switchers have a terrible time. They do better if they become independents. Like in Connecticut, you've had people who were Democrats became independents. Yeah, we, his name shall not be mentioned on this podcast. The enemy, but yes, yes. But you don't have many examples of someone who was governor in one party switching and getting reelected in another party. I don't know of a single example that's been successful. Buddy Romer tried it in Louisiana. We'd have to do research on it, but I don't know if it's ever worked. Right. I wouldn't think it's a great indicator that he beat Charlie Crip. I mean, no offense to him, but he's not an amazing candidate, at least now. But the point is, you don't have to, I won't make you weigh in on that. But he did still eviscerate DeSantis in the debate. Yeah, he lost the debate to Charlie Chris, which is not like losing a pickup game with Michael Jordan. Right. It's like losing a pickup game with me. Yeah. So I think he has no idea what he's in for. Yeah. Look, if, if I was... You know, God forbid. But if I was advising Ron DeSantis, I would tell him not to run because Donald Trump is going to run. And one of two things is going to happen. He's going to win or he's going to lose. If he wins, hopefully he'll only serve four years. And then Ron DeSantis would be, you know, the ripe old age of like 48. Right, right, right. He's so young. That's the other thing. And then if he loses, you're, you're well positioned. And look, if, if somebody beats Donald Trump in a primary, the next day Donald Trump is going to wake up and the mission in his life, 24-7, will be to stop that person from getting elected president. Right. Whatever it takes. And it's in his power completely. Yes, yes, yes. You get John Jr. on the ballot in Florida, Pennsylvania, and Arizona, it's over. He gets Carrie Lake to run in Arizona. It's over. Margiotta run in Pennsylvania. It's over. So to lose a primary to Donald Trump and to be that primary be worth something, you have to exist in the fantasy that Donald Trump will behave like a normative politician. Right. Which I like my chances in the next NFL draft better. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. Yeah. All of which I think is good news for Democrats. No, I think so, too. The thing is, it's one of these terrible, dangerous games, right, where we find ourselves. Two things can be true. These things can be good for Democrats, but bad for democracy. So I always I always find myself like a little bit conflicted because, you know, yes, I want Democrats to win, but I would rather just have a normal, safe system where we don't like slide into an autocracy. Listen, you know, I worked on five presidential campaigns, four winning nominations, but two generals that we won. 
like in the Romney campaign, I, I, you know, we wanted to win with the intensity of a thousand suns. Right. But I didn't go to bed at night after Romney lost, worried about the country. Right. Nor did Mitt Romney. Right. I think that's the thing about this Nikki Haley nomination, not nomination, but her jumping into the primary field is like she's like a charming throwback to the time when Republicans ran on like, you know, ideas. What I find so kind of sad, a lot of things about Nikki Haley. But if you look at that video, listen to what she's saying, it's like it will be forever like 1998. Like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to have a woman? Well, we have a woman vice president. Wouldn't it be amazing if someone of, you know, Indian or South Asian origin was elected to high office? Yeah, well, we have one. Right, right, right. <laughs> vice president. I mean, it's so kind of yesterday. There's nothing she's saying in a policy sense, that any politician in the Republican Party couldn't have said for the last 35 years, 40 years. There's no new policy there. There's no, I've got a plan. You know, here's an idea. Um, there's nothing. And this is the problem that Republicans have. There, There is ultimately the failure to attract non-white votes is a failure of policy. Right, right, right. No question. It's so embarrassing to remember. But so Eisenhower, he gets 44% of the black vote and 56. Then it drops to 7% with Goldwater. It never came back. And there was this while, Molly, and I'm just so ashamed to admit this. But in the, you know, when I was a Republican consultant, they were doing races in the late 80s and the 90s. The Republican Party decided that the reason we weren't getting many black votes is the black voters just didn't understand what we were saying because we didn't know how to talk to black voters. Right. So it sponsored this sort of uh, cottage industry of the Republican Party hiring black consultants to come down and talk to, you know, predominantly white candidates and campaigns right. to tell us how to talk to black people. Right. It's pretty bad. And we would all sit there. Oh, it's so humiliating to think about. <laughs> well, it's also like you could just have have run black people and hired black people and talked to black people. But yeah. Well, actually, that, you know, we should talk about that. But, you know, they would say things like, you can't talk about good jobs, you have to talk about meaningful jobs. Right. And we would all not. And the problem wasn't that black people didn't understand Republicans. The problem was, for Republicans, they did understand them. <laughs> right. They exactly what they were saying. It was a failure of policy. And anyway, and when, when you look at black Republicans who run, they, they don't do better with blacks than non-black Republicans, than white Republicans, which is kind of... Interesting. I want to ask you about this Fox News defamation Dominion suit, because last night there was a sort of incredible. Was that a leaked document or was it just the court finally? I think the court finally put out the document. Right. But it was, uh, you know, it includes included text messages from Fox News hosts to each other. It included basically the I think the top line is Fox knew and did it anyway. Of course they knew. But I mean, we now know they knew like fifth graders knew. Right. 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 It's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, when democracies slide into autocracy, there has to be five elements. There has to be financiers, there has to be support of a major party, there has to be shock troops, there has to be a legal system that is evolving to justify it, and there have to be propagandists. Right, right, right. So we have them all. These people are propagandists. Yeah. And look, I, I, I would deport Rupert Murdoch. Right. I hesitate to get involved in stuff like that, but I do understand. It does seem to me like the man is doing quite a bit of damage to our country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The impact of Fox News is 
much greater than its audience. It is more the web of what used to be conservative, now anti-democratic elements. I mean, it's a true statement that at its most popular, Fox News was much less popular than Storage Wars. <laughs> right, right, right. That is a statistical fact. Storage Wars is like three times as popular. It's not the number of people, but it is the ability that it has. In part, what Fox has done is normalize the really, they, they're out there as the normal people and the really crazies are the Bannons and the other people, which always happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I hope Dominion bankrupts them all, individually and collectively. I have no mercy for any of them. Every person that works at Fox News is getting paid off of money Tucker Carlson makes. So you want to get your salary from a white supremacist? That's fine. Maybe you could go apply it to KKK because it's the same goddamn thing. I have zero sympathy for any of those people. Where do you think this goes now with this primary? Haley is in, Trump is in. I think it's going to be 2015. I think a bunch of people are going to run. A lot of people run for president who previously would have gone on book tours. And it has the same function. I think a bunch of people are going to run. And I think Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. I mean, the one thing, if you go back and you look at 2015, 2016 debates, the only person who was the same. Right. He kills people in the debate. The, the only person who was the same person when they walked on stage for the first debate and when he walked off stage at the last debate was Donald Trump. Right, right, right. I, I mean, I've done five of these Republican nominations and all, all these debate preps. And the only way to take on a candidate like Donald Trump, if you're Nikki Haley or anyone, if you're trying to win, you have to make the decision. One of us is going to walk off that stage alive. And you have to be willing to say, that's not going to be me. But you have to go out there with that. You can't have any other mentality than I am going to kill Donald Trump's political chances. And probably you won't. But that is the only way you have any chance of winning. There are people who were waiting for Donald Trump. If you first started to wait while Donald Trump to self-destruct, your kids are now in the third grade. <laughs> it, it, it ain't going to happen, baby. Right. I don't think that she'll do that. She doesn't have the courage to mention Donald Trump's name. So, you know, who else is going to run? I think all these people are. Running. I think John Bolton will probably run. But, you know, there is no, I mean, Larry Hogan may run that. Look, Larry Hogan was a client of mine. I, you know, there is this other Republican Party out there of these governors, Phil Scott. Right. Larry Hogan, Maryland. Charlie Baker, Massachusetts. I work for all those guys. I love those guys. If the party had any sense, they'd look at them and go, they're selling our product in the hardest market. If we could carry these states in you know, presidential, we run the world. Instead, these people can't even pick their own state party chairman. That's how out of touch they are at the party. So I would love to say that Larry Hogan, you know, can run. And there is a enough of the Republican Party that he can win a nomination. But in a party that, that threw Liz Cheney out. Yeah. Stuart Stevens, I appreciate you so much. I hope you'll come back. All right, Mike. Be careful. I'm like that uncle at Thanksgiving dinner. You know, if you invite me, I'll come. So. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. 
OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Aaron Brockovich is a consumer advocate and activist. Welcome to Fast Politics, Aaron Brockovich. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're delighted. I mean, this is not a happy, I guess, I guess you're used to not being called when the happy stories. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about what is going on in Ohio? Uh, I'll do my best because I've watched this unfold into one of the most mismanaged, confused environmental disasters I've ever seen. So yeah, to back up, February 3rd, uh, Norfolk had a train that derailed near East Palestine, Ohio. Right. This uh, rail car was carrying 20 rail cars full of liquid hazardous waste, hazmat materials. And it caught fire and then derailed. And my understanding is that that they were concerned it was going to explode, which would have really been bad. And so they set out to do a controlled burn, if you will, and slowly, you know, like 
release the chemicals. Right. And at that point, you know, a huge black toxic cloud was released. And at this moment, everybody's going, what is going on? So they were put into a mandatory evacuation. And if you couldn't evacuate or didn't want to evacuate, you had the shelter in place. And this was about a mile containment zone. There was several days went on with that. And the state EPA, uh, Norfolk, who'd been supposedly doing the testing and controlling the burn, said everything was safe and you could come back home. So as people go back home, several more days pass. And then the governor, a couple of three, four days ago, announces, well, you're safe to go home, but don't drink the water. Right. If I were you, I'd drink bottled water. Right. And the next day, suddenly the testing's changed and, oh, it's safe to drink the water. So this community has been reaching out uh, to me since actually February 4th. And they are so frustrated. They are scared. They know something dangerous has happened. They have had all kinds of reports of, you know, the nausea, the right. headaches, right. the labored breathing, the blue lips, the feeling that their throat is going to close off. Their cat died. Their chickens have died. Their foxes died. Holy shit. It's killing pets. Yes. Videotapes coming in. And I believe they've now confirmed 12 different species of fish to the tunes of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands have died in the creeks and the rivers. So something's going on and getting any kind of answer other than this. Well, it's safe to return People don't know what's happening. And at this moment, they're becoming unbelievably concerned about what their future health holds and who can they trust on. Is the soil safe? Is the water safe? And there's three chemicals of concern. The first one is vinyl chloride. And vinyl chloride is a, a liquid. And when it's, you know, on fire and exposed to air and heat, it becomes a very dangerous gas. That might be why animals were just dying. And they're saying, well, that's all clear now. And then there's another one that's pronounced butyl, butyl acrylic. And they have confirmed that that chemical has now left the containment zone and they're finding it and they're saying lower levels, mind you, nobody's ever really seen in the actual physical hard test results what they're looking for and what detection limit they're at. And is that parts per million, parts per billion, parts per trillion? Nobody's seen that. But this chemical's now gone out of the containment zone into the creeks. And what worries me about this chemical, and people wouldn't know unless you review the MSDS sheet, it has an additive as an ingredient, and that additive is benzene. Can you explain to our listeners what benzene is and why that is scary? Benzene is a clearly known cancer-causing compound. Wow. I mean, the links with leukemia and cancer it, it is very, very well established. And it is very detrimental to the ecosystem. And it doesn't absorb or evaporate in water. And I've heard that they're now putting booms out because the way this area is designed, these creeks and, and rivers, these tributaries run right into the Ohio River. We all know the importance of the Ohio River, down to the Mississippi, down to Louisiana. And if you get benzene 
in those waterways, it's a ginormous ecological and health impact potentially for, for decades. Right. So what we're dealing with right now is we obviously from common sense can tell you uh, something's going really wrong. And uh, I just have this horrible feeling that mm. somebody's not disclosing what's really going on or thinking this will pass. People will forget about it. We'll be out of the woods on it. And now we're just kind of watching in real time a real shit show happening. I don't know how else to say it unfolding in front of all of us with mishaps and mistruths and lack of information and nothing but total confusion and a population of small village, East Palestine, Ohio of about 4,500 people, but neighboring communities spreading right. out from there are all having health implications and nobody can seem to get any answers. I was curious, Mike DeWine, who is known as a sort of less terrible Republican governor than the average, did a press conference where he talked about the possibility uh, that he had sort of not talked to Pete Buttigieg, that he hadn't called him back and uh, that he had called and said anything you need, but that he had said he hadn't called him back yet. Besides the fact that the idea that this should be handled on the local level when it's clearly going to be have large federal implications seems ridiculous. But I'm just curious, if you were governor of Ohio, what would you need? Okay, we've got a train derailment. Right. And you got hazardous chemicals. I definitely want to know about those hazardous chemicals. Right. Secondly, I would definitely be who's doing the controlled burn. Is it going to be the state EPA? Is it going to be Norfolk? I would be getting in every expert I could to begin to question them right. on what actions to take. And then the next thing I would do is, as he did, you need to have and establish an evacuation zone to get people out of harm's way. Right. But... Once they're out of harm's way and once you think that this is under control, I would want to see and understand every test result regarding the air, the soil and the water before right. I ever deemed it safe. And I would have had a press conference and said, I know you do not want to be evacuated, but I do not have all the answers my questions aren't being answered. I do not have the personal assurance yet that satisfies me this area is safe. Right. So please bear with us. This information can take a while, but to err on the side of caution before I jeopardize public health and welfare with continual reports coming in of dead animals, I better have every fact in hand. And if I don't know, at least let the people know. I don't know. Right. These leaders think because you're this leader, you're supposed to know everything. And for me, the, the, some of the best leaders are the ones that say, well, hell if I know, but I'm going to find out because that is my job to be your, your elected official and your leader. And I'm not letting you back into an area until I'm certain it's safe. And I'm not sure he had all that information. And I feel that way because there's very inconsistent messaging coming from him that I right. think he's being fed from others, which is indicating to me he, in fact, doesn't know. Right. And he might be being fed 
from the train company or people who have a vested interest in this going away? Oh, oh, well, that I've seen way too often. I've dealt with that out here in California with Pacific Gas and Electric. And my gosh, boy, when they do something wrong and you get involved in any kind of litigation or media or trying to reach out to PR groups that can help manage all the inquiries and stuff, but they practically own every one of them in the state. So right. somehow somebody gets in somebody's pocket. And I would expect that could be very plausible in this scenario. And, you know, I know speaking of, you know, um, Pete Buttigieg, the Department of Secretary of Transportation, trains are federal. And th- there's this is a conversation that's going to have to be had But my focus is always the people and this community and a train derailment and some very hazardous chemicals. They're going to get caught up in the political BS, which I think is the biggest travesty of all. But we have infrastructure issues. We have maintenance issues on our rail system. And when we have a rail system that is transporting hazardous chemicals. And by the way, we had another big spill in Louisiana in November, 2022. Yeah. That the Department of Transportation doesn't come in and go, we need what the hell is going on and where is infrastructure money if that's part of the problem or is a company cutting corners that's now jeopardizing the entire ecosystem and public health and welfare. I think you better step in there. So That conversation will be had regarding that. The conversation is there about our failing infrastructures. I think we're all aware of that. But what I don't want to get lost in this is the community and people in these agencies, you know, well, okay, they're, you know what, you have a little sore throat, so you threw up. I mean, dismissive of what it is that's actually happening to them. But also, this is a job for the EPA here, right? It is. I, I read that the U.S. EPA was going to be down there today. Did I see that? I know the state yeah. EPA has been out there. NTSB yeah. was out there. Um, wow, I would have been there. Well, what is today? The 15th, 16th? This happened on the 3rd? Yeah. So there seems to be tensions between federal and state at this point. We're just definitely not getting the actual transparent information. I know, you know, that DeWine says it's all safe. He's done the test. Show, show me, show us, show us, show us, put that out, put that out there on a website. So people could come in. It's it's like the, like we were discussing with the butyl acclarate. We all know, you know, you may have something on the market shelf that's questionable, but Sometimes the sister chemicals or the additives can be worse than the actual chemical. And that's what's happening here. We got an additive of benzene. Are you even looking for it? Are you thinking we're all so stupid that we won't know that and you could get away with something? So that's why I think it's important. Any testing you're all needs to be in a format where we can go see it, where those that might have a question, a legitimate one, and I won't put it out there because you're probably going to catch them at something. Why are you not looking for this? If that's a detection limit, that means it's off site. So we haven't had the ability to do that. And that's adding to the frustration of this situation. Yeah, it sounds like it. I also just wonder 
like the narratives around it seem really destructive too, right? Like the right has said that it's white genocide, which I mean, I think that a lot of bad stuff has gone down, but I don't think that this was intentionally focused on that. No, unless we're talking about like DuPont, any chemical contamination, whether it was a mistake or somebody wants to think it was deliberate, these chemicals recognize no borders. Right. No, no right, boundaries, right. no right. economic status, no race. Really true. What should people who are listening to this podcast do to support their people? At this point, they could probably clearly see that they can't assume or take it for granted or necessarily buy, you know, the line that all is safe, especially when they're questioning it. So what you have to do is trust your own instincts. In these communities, I've learned nobody knows the land, the water, the creeks, the animals, or how they feel better than themselves in the community. So instead of hoping and waiting for someone to give you the answers, you be the eyes, you be the ears, you are the one experiencing it and believe, you don't need anybody to verify for you, right? What it is you're experiencing it, you own that. Right. Document what's happening, journal your health. If you're down out in the creeks and you're seeing the fish dead, We've got a great phone that we can all use and put it out there on social media that can be helpful because seeing is believing what is going on and start protecting yourself. Ask questions about the water. If your water looks funny or you've noticed a smell of change, maybe you shouldn't drink it. If you're on well water, nobody's coming to test that for you after a train derailment. There's online places you can go to get testing kits so you can test yourself to find out what's in the water. And be vigilant in your surroundings, your observations. If you don't feel good, if you think something's strange happening with your child and you know there's been a toxic spill, go to a doctor. So, yeah. and believe that you... You, We actually hold the answers when disasters like this happen, especially the victims, but we just don't want to trust ourselves. You have to trust yourself. No one knows better than you. So work with your community, be vigilant, ask questions, demand answers. If something smells different, if something looks different, if something's changed, if you feel different, don't hesitate for one minute right. to leave, to go to a doctor. Or to not drink the water. Yeah, definitely don't drink the water. Thank you so much, Erin. I hope that we will not have a reason to have you back, but I'm sure we will. Well, listen, I, I thank you for everything that you do. And, you know, maybe we can talk again about happier days. Yes. But I'm always happy to come on. But I, I will leave with this. And I wrote, please, this is daunting. I know everyone feels it's apocalyptic. I know we all are feeling these things. And I've been 30 years down on the ground. During COVID, I released my book, Superman's Not Coming. We are in a national water crisis, but what we can do about it, the people. And what I want to leave with is 
I have a great sense of hope, sometimes of late, more than I've had historically, because I think we're more in tune. I think we're reconnecting. I think that we're waking up. And I'll tell you time after time again, what gives me hope is watching moms in communities rise up. This is my child. I will make it my business. I'm going to find out what's happening. And they do. We are still so lovely as humans and people. And in times of tragedy, that always comes out. My hope is, and what I want to share and say to you and my observation of 30 years on the ground, that hope is alive and it is well. Yeah, really true. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you. I know you, our dear listeners, are very busy and you don't have time to sort through the hundreds of pieces of punditry each week. This is why every week I put together a newsletter of my five favorite articles on politics. If you enjoy the podcast, you will love having this in your inbox every Friday. So sign up at fastpoliticspod.com and click the tab to join our mailing list. That's fastpoliticspod.com. Adam Frisch is running against Congresswoman Lauren Boebert in Colorado's 3rd Congressional District. Welcome to Fast Politics. Great to be here. Good morning to you, Molly. First, I need to caveat this interview with, I had you on this podcast before your race against Lauren Boebert in Colorado's 3rd District. I had you on this podcast and everyone said, you're crazy, you're crazy. You lost by how many votes? 546. So let's talk about what happened. (laughs) Some people thought we were going to lose by 40 to 45,000 votes. From 538 to real clear politics to the Democratic Party to the Republican Party to everybody in between. But You know, a year and a half ago, Molly, I had this a little bit of epiphany that of all the extremists on the right, Representative Bobart was the only one that had any chance of losing. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Matt Gaetz, that whole caucus of chaos has 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 percent wins every year. Uh, Representative Bobart in 2020 only won by 5 percent, and she did not even win her home county. Those that know her best don't care for her. A lot more people knew her then and know her now than did before. And not for good reason. So I thought that you know, we had a redistricting in CD3, Western and Southern Colorado. So it kind of became an R10 to R12 to R14, to R9 district. But I just put my head down and said, you know, 30 to 40% of the Republican Party wants their party back. We need to get 10% of our prior voters. And I think uh, if a moderate Democrat can get by the primary, which I did not by much, I would just drive around the district almost 24 7, which we did. Did right. a twenty-four thousand mile road trip. Just always on the road, and we we built a coalition. I, my mom calls it the pro-normal party coalition, and we came. You know, we executed about ninety-nine point eight five percent of our plan. Okay, so uh, you're back for the other seven hundred votes. Yeah, we got to flip two hundred seventy-five or find another five or six hundred. You know, I think if we would have had the race done a week later. The amount of super liberals that came up to me and said, Adam, I didn't think you have a chance and you're too moderate for me. I left it blank, but they voted up and down the Democratic ticket for the rest of the race. And a bunch of moderate Republicans came up to me and said the same thing. They're like, Adam, you seem to be a nice person, but I just I've never voted for a Democrat and you're not going to win. So it's not going to matter. There was a lot of those as well. And so 
you know, number one message, democracy, your vote matters. Make sure people fill out every bubble that they can. We are excited to get going again. We think we have a longer runway and we're getting the support from a wide variety of people right off the bat. And, you know, we're going to be working very, very hard and listening and connecting with people. And the same reasons I ran before, people want the circus to stop. They don't like this angertainment aspect of politics. And that just resonates with a lot of people. I like that word angertainment. And I think it's true. I mean, if we saw anything from these midterms, it's that people hate this. They don't like being governed by reality stars. Yeah. You know, so I need to make a hats off to my uh, high school and middle school buddy, Dean Phillips, who is a congressman out of Minnesota. We grew up together and he used that term once, angertainment. I'm like, Dean, that is a brilliant summation of what's going on in the country, especially in Western and Southern Colorado with our current representative. And I just use it all the time and everyone realizes it, it senses exactly. People want the circus to stop. And I've heard that as from much as from moderate Republicans, even conservative Republicans. They want people to focus on the job, not on themselves. And people are not seeing that there's any change one iota from the current incumbent now as she peacocked her way around that first week of Congress. And she thought she was doing a great uh, service for herself, raising money um, every time she uh, was poking the bear at soon-to-be Speaker McCarthy. But the ranchers and farmers and a lot of people uh, in Colorado that I spoke to who had voted for her in the past, they just put her their head down and said, you know, I wish she would have learned her lesson about having, you know, the closest race in the country. She almost had the most surprising result in 25 years across the country. You know, she was supposed to win by, again, 12 or 15 points, and she won by 0.15 or something. Yeah. It seems like that your race in Colorado is actually uh, really meaningful, not just because it's yet another annoying example of pollsters being wrong and fucking up candidates who really could have won, which is really the, I feel like the headline of your race, right? Yeah. Just like Mandela Barnes, just like, you know, a lot of other candidates who got killed by just really inaccurate polling. But the other thing is that I feel like the state of Colorado, it's not a, a blue state, it's a purple state, but Republicans have run lunatics and Democrats have run, you know, sane candidates. 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it was red. It's now summer purple and it's gone pretty blue in some places for right. sure. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with the Democrats out here have been running just people that are trying to get the job done, be pragmatic, work across party lines, solve problems that are facing uh, the issues of the day for a lot of people, whether it's urban or, or rural. The Republican Party has run some real extremists. Having said that, you know, it's interesting. Joe O'Day was, is, is a pretty normal person uh, and, and a thoughtful businessman, and he lost to uh, Michael Bennett by 15 points. So right. there, was, there was definitely a bit of a blue wave. And so people have gone back and forth, whether we helped the Democrats in CD3 or they helped us. It was probably a little bit of both. But again, when you're running against people who are part of the chaos caucus, it makes life much easier. Right. And the Republican Party in Colorado, which I'm not going to spend too much time focus on, is an uproar. It's one of the biggest counties in the district. Is there's a splinter group that's suing each other during their during their reassembly and blah 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 blah. So again, I just think it's a matter of you know you focus on the job at hand and you go forward. And you know that resonates with you know the vast majority of people that want both parties to be play play ball between the two forty yard lines. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. But I do think like, I mean, you're not running against someone who's normal. You're running against someone who is taking quite a lot of the air out of the room. Yeah. And not for good reason. I try to make the case in 2022 that of all these extremists, we're the only ones that can defeat somebody. And no one believed us. And sadly, there aren't any other Republicans that are that kind of brand known nationally that have any chance of losing in 2024. So with all due respect to those Democrats that are going to be running against Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan and Matt Gaetz, you just look at the numbers and it's not there. We have proved our point and I think we've earned the trust. We've seen a tremendous amount of money come in, not just within the district in the state, but around the country because they realize that, you know, she is the one person in the country with that type of brand name nationally that has any, not just a chance of losing, but a really darn good chance to losing. And that's what we're going to focus on. This is all a good point. But just remind our listeners why you're the right person for this candidacy, for this job. Yeah, no, I mean, so there's a couple of things, you know, it's a it's a very rural district. We have Aspen and Telluride and Crest Butte, three resort ski towns that a lot of people know in, in your listenership. And you have Carbondale too, right? Yeah, yeah, we have Carbondale and Basalt and Glenwood Springs and Grand Junction, uh, 10 yeah. or 15, 20 miles away from the Utah border is kind of the hub of Trump country in the Colorado, not just in our district, but it is changing over over time as, you know, there's a brewery index I use, the more breweries you see, the less conservative the area is. And we just started making connections. And again, I just, I was very, very focused on working on that 30 to 40% of the Republican party that wants their party back. And I just pitched myself as a very safe alternative that the issues that face out here, water and rural health care, rural education, the water is not flowing red or blue. It's just not flowing. And they want somebody that's going to focus on that job. And I'm very good about that. And in my first five years, I was born on the Indian Reservation, Fort Peck Indian Reservation in northeastern Montana. My dad was in the public health service. He went on to become an OBGYN for 50 years. Grew up in Minnesota. My great-grandfather was a cattleman in Esco, Minnesota, outside of Duluth. And so I have some rural roots in addition to living in a mountain town now. But I'm a good listener, and I worked really hard. And we connected with a lot of people. And the phones are ringing off the hook because I left a lot of messages last year. And now it's not taking nine months for people to return my phone call anymore. Yeah. Well, I do think that there really is a real problem with rural representation. Yeah. There's a caveat to that, right? Because there are a lot of rural places that send red senators and congressmen to Congress and to the Senate. But the thing is, those people don't necessarily look out for rural voters. And they're more tied to special interests. So I do think like we've seen rural hospitals close at alarming rates. We've seen rural maternal fetal health rate, you know, deaths rise. I mean, we do need people looking out for rural people. The problem is these Republicans don't do that. You lead into my number one statistic I share. There's about 3,100 counties in the country, about 3,150 counties in the country. Of that, 2,000 of them are deemed ruled by the Department of Agriculture, 2,000 rural counties. In 1996, Bill Clinton won more than 50% of the rural counties. 1992, 2012, Barack Obama won 25% of the rural counties, from 50% to 25%. In 2020, President Biden won fewer than 10% of the rural counties in the country. And so the Democratic Party is 20 big cities, Aspen and Nantucket. Like that's kind of what's left of the Democratic Party. And so I'm spending a lot of time trying to not just focus on CD3, but a little bit of time just making the case that monopolies are bad and rural America has a big monopoly issue 
with the Republican Party. And so, you know, we are in John Tester, Joe Manchin country, which not every Democrat wants to hear, but that's just kind of the makeup of our district. It is an R10 district that that is ag and ranching and farming and domestic energy production from solar and wind to also gas and coal, which starts to wind down as it should and it needs to be done and everything else like that. But we need to make sure it's realistic about how we treat people. And this rural aspect uh, of making sure that every zip code in rural America is fought over by both parties, that's part of my little mission as well. Yeah, and that's a really good mission. And actually, one of the things that happened during these midterms is that in North Dakota, especially, Democrats didn't run candidates in some of these races yeah. because they thought they wouldn't lose, would lose, which, of course, they would. But that is really a problem, A, for this idea of getting elected in these rural areas, but also because... Uh, also because it's just so incredibly self-defeating. It, it is hard, but and listen, I know it's hard to run. I can vouch for that, especially in a district that's half the state of Colorado geographically. But, you know, the main message is I just think that the policies that the Democratic Party have are very beneficial to a lot of working class right. Americans and that. But Fox News has done a brilliant job, quote unquote, brilliant right. of taking a couple of sentences over the past generation and really amplifying them and skewing them. And it, it's turned into a very demissive and demeaning brand of Democrats to a lot of people in rural America. And that's something I'm just trying to get over mile by mile as I drive around in a red pickup truck. Right. And in the coffee houses and the breweries and the beer halls and, and the barbecue joints. It's not a thinning exercise to run for Congress in a place that has so many good restaurants. But, you know, <laughs> you know d- democracy calls. So here I am. But, you know, and that's the message I, I've been having with people in Washington at the highest levels just to say, hey, listen, we got to figure out how to expand the base. And all these zip codes are being left in, in the wind. And. The message is there. The policies are there. You just have to make sure you get the right candidates that are willing to go and really meet the people and hit the road, meet them where they are physically as well, emotionally, and just be a good listener. Right. Because a lot of people just feel like they've been left behind by a lot of people. And that's what a former President Trump, you know, again, quote unquote, brilliantly tapped into. Right. Just that they just didn't feel like no one was speaking to them. The Democratic Party used to be bad and it's left. Uh, my buddy Dean Phillips, again in Minnesota, the Minnesota Democratic Party is called the DFL, the Democratic Farm Labor. Right. And Dean has said, like, the Dems have lost the Fs and they've lost the Ls and they're left with the Dems. And we need to do a much better job of building back the farmers and the working class labor movement, which is really important for our country. Right. And I don't think that that necessarily means like sometimes you'll see people on the right saying, well, that's why Democrats have to abandon being pro LGBTQ or pro, you know, choice. And I I don't think it's binary. I think that you can be, I mean, Colorado is a great example. You can be pro LGBTQ and believe that people have the right to their own lives and bodily autonomy and still want to build hospitals in rural areas. So, you know, it's interesting. Our district has some of the highest support for Second Amendment in the country, and it has a really high pro-choice support. And it goes back to 
whether you want to call it the libertarian view or more of a kind of a UBU party, which is just leave us alone. Right. And I met a lot of Republicans, a lot of Christian evangel- evangelicals who are like, listen, I, I don't like abortion, but the only thing worse than that is having the government involved in it. And so it is a little bit of a just leave us alone out here. We live out in rural and western and southern Colorado. We're not in a big city for a reason. And we just don't want a little government, you know, government should be there to support when needed, but it, the less regulation, the better. And you see that on things that are more traditionally left or more traditionally right. And as, you know, as the son of an OBGYN of 50 years that had bomb threats from his father's office growing up in the 70s and 80s in Minneapolis, I can attest to how important it is important for the government to just be out of women's health care decisions. Right. And, and that resonates with some of the most rural red. Yes. In, in the country. It's different if you're down in the south in Alabama and Mississippi, but out west, it is the UDU party. And right. that's something that resonates with a lot of people. Well, and I would also say in the South, there are a lot of different voters in the South, too. And yes. and a lot of them are pro-choice. It's a very interesting coalition. But I would say um, I think that's right. And I think the rural hospital stuff is just unconscionable that we have places where you, you know, it's hours and hours to get to a hospital and there and and also, you know, we are seeing we need to take better care of our trains and our infrastructure. Yeah. And if that's not clear from this week, I don't know what is. You know, that's exactly what we're trying to work on. And that infrastructure bill is really important. And, you know, you know, Representative Bobart, one of the things we talked about is she's one of the few people that proudly decides that she does not want to try to have some of that taxpayer base that Western and Southern Colorado pay in D.C., and she doesn't fight to try to bring that stuff back. And if that money's not coming back to CD3, it's showing up in Denver or Detroit or Newark or rural Kansas or rural Florida. And I made it very, very clear that it's really, really important to try to figure out how to bring those resources back here. It's a lot, you know, healthcare has a lot of moving parts, but when you're an hour and a half away from an urgent care center, or two hours away, if you have any type of pregnancy that's not just more of a traditional normal pregnancy, those are real issues that are facing real people. And I'd love to see kind of that money be returned that the taxpayers pay and show up in the county health departments, mental and physical. And again, block grants, let the county officials decide where that money should go. They're going to know better than people in Denver or D.C. But the money needs to come because we just, you know, we have some of the poorest counties. Yeah. We have some of the wealthiest and the poorest counties in the country. Yeah. And I'm very focused on, on you know, with all respect to my, my friends and my neighbors um, up in Picking County where I live, uh, I'm really focused on those counties that are going to need the help and have seen huge transitions with energy and agriculture and are dealing with a really big drought that needs some focus. Adam, I hope you will come back multiple times before you're a congressperson. Always great to chat with you, Molly. I hope you have a great week going ahead. And now your moment of fuckery. Jesse Cannon. Molly Jungfast, you know, when those Fox News emails come out, you see who they really are. What, what was your favorite part? What are you seeing? The uh, Dominion filing was released on Friday night, and in it we learned that uh, Tucker, Sean, and Laura Ingram all knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that there was no election fraud and that they were just lying liars who lie. And they texted each other and they were very clear that they knew the truth and were not following it. And for that, they then poisoned the well of many Americans. And there are still people in this country who believe that the 2024 election was uh, rigged. 
was a rigged. Did you enjoy more when it was ridiculous things like them threatening to get fact checkers fired or when they said that Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell were insane but kept having them on their shows? There were so many moments that we had suspected were likely what was happening backstage at Fox News, but it was still a bit strange to actually see it firsthand. And uh, a good lesson here is that if you think that there's some real corruption going on behind the scenes, sometimes there really is. That's it for this episode of Fast Politics. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to hear the best minds in politics make sense of all this chaos. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please send it to a friend and keep the conversation going. And again, thanks for listening. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.